With the holiday season in full swing, families all around the world have been gathering together to celebrate and bring in the new year. The holidays have always been viewed as a family time, a time to come together. But in recent times, we have noticed that for some people, this is not a joyous time. Often family tensions or conflict are magnified alongside the tensions of excess and materialism. So rather than being a time where families come together in an atmosphere of peace and security, anxiety can raise its head to make what should be a hopeful time, a stressful and intolerable one. Why is this? What is the reason behind this change in people's attitudes? Well, I think we can safely say that it's not a one-size-fits-all reason. There are many reasons, but one that seems to stick out is the importance of the family or lack of importance that family is given in modern times, especially in the Western or developed world. So here on Pathway to Peace for the Voice of Islam Radio, a show which looks at how we can achieve social, economic, political and individual peace, we started thinking about the family as a unit which can actually be thought of as a building block for peace in society and how changing views of the family and communication between family members can actually affect societal peace. I'd like to welcome my panel who is with me today. I have Reem Shreki, a life devotee of the Ambia Muslim community, who is a mother of three and heavily involved in outreach work, and Melissa Amadi, a secondary school teacher and mother of two. Assalamu alaikum and welcome, ladies. So I'm going to move straight in to my first question. Why is it that the festive period or family occasions and gatherings can at times cause so much stress for people? Melissa? Yeah, I think definitely expectation is a huge part of it. Um, many people experience stress during these holiday periods because of the expectation that one has to perform to a certain standard. Um, you can see it in the media, we're constantly exposed to it through adverts, um, on the TV, and now with social media as well. We can just see that everybody's having such a great time, you know, with their mm. holiday efforts, they're decorating the house, you know, they're putting on an elaborate display. And we can see, you know, how much preparation they're, they're putting into this. And I think social media as well, it kind of spotlights the way to do things in inverted commas, like mm. as if we have to do things to such a standard in order to um, celebrate in a particular way. And that creates a lot of pressure for, for many mm. people. Um, and of course, you know, economic differences, we're going through quite a challenging time at the moment in the UK. And, you know, this is really highlighted during these festive times and, and this holiday period. And it's difficult for many people to meet these expectations. And that causes a lot of stress and anxiety for families who are not able to, you know, compete or um, uphold that standard, which everyone seems to be putting on. So I think definitely in this last year, um, people are, are really struggling in that, in that way. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Reem, what do you think? And, you know, I think expectations from families and their expectations from uh, of us. So many people and families are faced with decisions about where they will spend the holiday. Yeah, that's true. And, and also, it's not always easy to break that news to relatives. So I have even heard that some some people spending uh, the day traveling between different homes to try to keep everyone happy. 
Yeah. And also yeah. some families may expect too much. Families will have different ideas about what is required and what, what might uh, burden each other. So there is also the anxiety of hosting or being able to uh, present the image that we see on our screens and uh, then the financial costs. Yeah. And yeah, also there is, yeah. there is also the conflict is another reason uh, that, uh, you know, causing stress. And also this is um, a big one because holiday periods often mean coming together with family member you don't see every day. So there is sometimes conflict within families. So this is a source of the great anxiety before people have uh, even uh, come together. And not everyone gets on with their families. And when we spend, you know, extended times uh, with them, conflict can happen. And this can, you know, even happen between people who live in the same house because we don't always understand each other. So it yeah. might take a lot of effort and energy just getting through such gatherings. Sometimes we might feel like it is not worth even the, the effort. Yeah, yeah. I think both of you have made some really, really good points. You know, this idea of anxiety, this pressure from others. And I think, Reem, you mentioned some really important points here, which link to the idea of communication. You know, trying to keep everyone happy, not wanting to break the news to the, your family members that you don't want to spend holidays with them and you need to spend it with your in-laws or whatever the situation might be but not being able to express that and then you know if you're already in a situation of conflict um, with your family members or your extended family members it can make these kind of times even more stressful um, and give you even more anxiety so I think yeah both of you made some really good points but you know so I think this kind of leads on to to the point of view of you know the structure of the family so you know maybe these have always been you know, quite important things. But I do think that something has happened within the family structure and within the community that has shifted, um, which has kind of made these issues come to light more. What do you think, uh, Melissa? Yeah, I think there's definitely many reasons, as you mentioned, behind the change in maybe family structures. You know, this includes economic changes, but also social attitudes have changed massively especially yeah. you know and even in the last 50 years we can see how much you know society has changed and and values of society have changed as well yeah and there was a there was a study um from study smarter which is a social sociological study about how changes of the family structure in the west have have occurred and it was stated that women's uh, participation in higher education and employment was of course much higher so this mm. meant that being a mother being a housewife was no longer the only option for women as was in previous times and more and more women deciding to study and have a career uh, perhaps having less time to have children and less time to spend with them as a, as a consequence and a, as a result so they then often have to decide to have perhaps less children than was had in previous times as well, perhaps mm. having only one or two um, instead of uh, a larger family, as was more common in previous times. So I think that freedom of choice, um, as referred to in the study as well, in family formation, people are freer then to make individual personal choices regarding this kind of relationships they want to engage in. Mm. And the roles of men and women was another point that was made in the study, in the family they're not as separate as they used to be and this of course has affected the structural builder families too yeah yeah definitely 
And Reem, you're mentioning something about secularization as well. Yeah, I think it uh, it plays now a huge role because, you know, people are more secular. So, for example, in the UK, people, they don't feel any more, you know, the religious pressure to get married. Yeah. And yeah. this also explains the decline in church marriages. So there is no accountability to anyone or to anything. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that obviously, we can all see that these changes and Melissa like you said it's sort of within the last 50 years maybe a little bit longer that these changes mm-hmm. have, have happened quite dramatically and they're quite different from anything that we've seen previously in in history I mean if you look all the way back through the ages these are kind of very very new uh, changes that are occurring in in societies today so you know what happens with all these changes is that it can be difficult to kind of maintain relationships with everyone in the family you know due to changes in the immediate structure of the family, you know, physical distances that might be occurring now, time constraints also that might be occurring. And what I've got from this, what you've just said, and also the earlier discussion about why holiday times can actually be difficult for families, is actually that, you know, due to changes in family structure, um, it can be difficult to have sort of honest and straightforward communication as well between family members, which, you know, in turn is leading to stress, you know, anxiety and even conflict. So, you know, what is causing this breakdown of communication actually between members of the same family? You know, um, children still have a need, strong bonds with their parents. This is, I think, one point. And uh, so it can be difficult for parents where often both of them are working and with increasing, you know, participation in clubs and after school activities. So, this it will be difficult for bonding, and this can be limited uh, if not given priority by parents. Yeah, and also yeah, for younger that, children, yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the teenagers, mostly, most of them, they they find friendship, you know, outside their family, and they are they find it that it is more important. Their friends yeah. are more important than their own family members, and also you know about adults. We have now the you know me time so we focus on this time and this is very precious for adults that they want to have their own time away from their maybe children or you know spouses sometimes and they want to spend with friends and so yeah Yeah, so all of these things are obviously going to going to mean that that kind of communication between the members of the same family is going to be affected yeah definitely and Melissa what were you going to add to that yeah, I think if we're talking about the breakdown of communication, um, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, spoke about how, and he said, and I quote, uh, speak a good word or remain silent. And this yeah. is such valuable and wisdom, you know, very wise advice. Um, but this has kind of been lost, I think, over time. Um, and we've spoken about this in previous shows as well about, you know, freedom to um speak versus freedom to abuse perhaps um mm. in in one speech and how one and one talks to each other um and i think also opportunities for bonding has changed um amongst family members themselves and technology has played a, quite a huge part in that i would say in my opinion um we're virtually connected practically all of the time um whether it's through social media or otherwise but is it superficial connectedness? Um, mm. You know, does followers on social media or friends on Facebook or whatever, do, it doesn't necessarily equate to real life connectedness with other family members um, either. So that's that's what I would add. 
also there is lack of uh, communication between spouses that everyone of them yeah. is busy at work and busy of their you know getting money and promotion and this became then the main point you know even when sometimes you see the family sitting together everyone is busy with the, his or her own you know smartphone and there is yes, no true. Yeah. Yeah, actual you know communication between them yeah yeah that's true yeah and I, I think the the lack of communication can cause this distance I mean you're talking about everyone's sat in the same room everyone's together physically but actually totally in a different world mm-hmm. and that can of course you know create a massive distance between members of the family if there is an openness um, especially when it comes to problem solving and conflict resolution um, and being modeled that properly um, especially between husband and wife in in the family unit and the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him spoke extensively you know about this relationship should be one of mutual harmony and the founder of the Anthony Muslim community the promised Messiah peace be upon him said that this relationship between a husband and wife should be as if they're two true and sincere friends Mm -hmm. so if there's any miscommunication or even lying then ultimately the other family members will perhaps mimic this behavior particularly in children and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that, you know, if a person was to unable to refrain from every vice, then, you know, he should refrain from telling lies, thus refraining from at least one vice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's such an important point. This this kind of communication between um, between partners, I think, is really important. We will look at that in a bit more detail in a moment. Um, and the fact that they should be true sincere friends so Reem where you were saying earlier that you know adults might want to have me time or want to have time with their friends well actually you know this concept of your best friend being your partner your spouse um is is so vital in order to kind of have that kind of communication and and that that ability to speak to each other honestly and truthfully so you are listening to pathway to peace on the voice of islam radio station and today we're discussing how family communication can be a building block for peace in society so, Melissa, you just mentioned um, communication. Uh, you were talking about communication. So why is communication so important? Why can't people just be out for themselves, quote unquote, um, and not worry about you know, other family members? So there's been lots of research that has been done on you know, effective communication. And in one study uh, by Gottman, uh, he states that effective family communication is central in the creation of healthy families. And it strengthens the bonds of love amongst family members and communication within family members can help in the early detection of family differences amongst members and often an immediate solution to any conflict which might occur. So, of course, this is quite you know profound and this is echoed throughout many studies. Um, but he also speaks on effective listening, like the power of listening when going through, you know, communicating with one spouse or within a family structure Mm. and also listening and internalizing the words and then giving a response rather than just listening to respond as we all know can be a bit problematic Um, and also he spoke of listening as quite a vital part of of having that healthy communication Um, according to Graham which was another study undertaken um, they spoke of, you know, individual family members must be open and honest with one another. And this trust then creates strong relationships amongst family members. 
So I think the the main theme here is not just about, you know, speaking in a healthy way or a healthy manner and having that open communication, but also being able to listen to perhaps difficult things, you know, mm-hmm. from family members and being able to take that on board um, and solve problems together as a yeah. family. Yeah, definitely. And I think this links back to um, the quote which you mentioned a little while ago um, by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, you know, speak a good word or remain silent. So this idea of, you know, listening, and unless you can speak something good, unless you can give uh, an appropriate answer um, in a nice and polite and kind way, stay silent. Um, That's Mm -hmm. actually better for your relationship. So I kind of want to pick out a couple of points um, and just look at those in more detail, just what you've mentioned, you know, obviously, we are coming from a faith perspective so I want to know about this concept of trust and honesty within families and what do you think about that is it essential to be honest all the time and you know what if what you will say will actually hurt the feelings of others Reem you know uh, of course I'll speak from the Islamic perspective honestly honesty must uh, be always adhered to as the holy prophet of Islam uh, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him said Truth leads to piety and piety leads to paradise. A man persists in speaking the truth till he is recorded with Allah as a truthful man. Falsehood leads to transgression and the transgression leads to the hellfire. A man continues to speak falsehood till he is recorded with Allah as a great liar. But if there is harm, of course, in saying the truth, then this is not permissible and one should be silent, as uh, you mentioned earlier. So to say something good or to remain silent. Or he should say the truth in a form of an advice, as the Holy Prophet of Islam, mm. peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him said, religion is a sincere advice. So you have to give, you know, your family member, your friend, a, a sincere advice, yeah. but not in a way that hurt them. And also he uh, said, uh, backbiting is talking about your brother in a manner which he dislikes. Upon this, someone asked, what if he is, as I say? He said, if he is actually as you say, then that is backbiting. But if that is not in him, that is slandering. So Islam actually pays so much uh, you know, our attention to the importance of to say the good word. Even many hadith, many sayings of the Holy Prophet is it, you know, the companions ask him, what do you advise me? And he always pointed to his tongue that you have to be careful what you are saying. Yeah, true, true. I think also um, another struggle that can play out in relationships and in families is saving face in front of one's partner or the need or the, the desire to be right um, having that one-upmanship yeah. to prove prove the other person wrong um, and it's from an Islamic perspective this can be considered a form of arrogance and the Holy Quran speaks on this point in chapter 31 in verse 19 which states and turn not thy cheek away from men in pride nor walk the earth haughtily surely Allah loves not any arrogant boaster so this concept of being honest of course which we're talking about involves wisdom and this concept in Arabic, or speaking the right word, is called Qolisadid. And um, the, the head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Masroon Ahmed, has spoken extensively on this topic. And in a Friday sermon in 2013, 
he spoke, and I quote, to utter what is truth without wisdom and appropriateness is not goalisides or the right word in English. On the contrary, it becomes frivolous and rather than attain God's pleasure, it can become a source of incurring his wrath. God's love is attained by having a fine understanding of taqwa or righteousness and golisadid or the right word. And he, he goes on to say, which is, is a very powerful um, sermon that was given. He said, a benchmark of golisadid or saying the right word is that whatever one says is pertinent and appropriate. It's not essential to say everything that is true. If it is not pertinent and appropriate, it can cause discord and strife. And by divulging secrets of others, relationships break down. However, at times someone may not be appropriate in one situation. Something, sorry, something may not be appropriate in one situation, but becomes necessary in another situation. For example, some matters are brought before the caliph of the time, which are for reformation. And these matters are not for divulging in other situations, but here their disclosure becomes pertinent and appropriate. And a matter is pertinent and appropriate when something frivolous is not said in the name of Golisadid, and no overstatement and exaggeration is made in the guise of explanation. And sometimes people bring something to notice for reformation, but during the process they can indulge in overstatement or exaggeration. And in such an instance, the matter does not remain the right word. Rather, it becomes a travesty of the right word, or Golisadid in Arabic. Even overstatement or exaggeration by the odd word takes the matter away from truth. And as a result, instead of proper means of reformation, wrong means are utilized. Um, so that's end quote. And this is such a beautiful piece of advice because it talks about honesty within the concept of being wise with one's words. Um, and perhaps even if something is truthful, it's not always beneficial to say the full truth all of the time only when it is appropriate to do so okay no that that is a, a really amazing quote talking and i think that the, the intricacy which comes through is that even overstatement or exaggeration by the odd word takes something away from the truth um and i think that's you know such an important point for for us to think about that as soon as you add a word or change something in any way and exaggerate something it, you are actually saying something which is false. You, you're, you're not sticking to this concept of, of truthfulness and honesty. You know, so from an Islamic point of view, you know, honesty with wisdom, as you've mentioned, is extremely important. And, you know, in a way, it's actually the foundation of having a good relationship when you know the person you are speaking to it will speak to you honestly and with wisdom all the time. So it's really important within, within families to have this kind of concept at the forefront. So, Melissa, you touched just just a moment ago on the point of the relationship between partners. Instead, um, you were saying, you know, you spoke about the concept of, you know, arrogance or egos or, or as you said, you know, one-upmanship. Um, you know, has this kind of attitude affected the way in which couples kind of communicate with each other? Yeah, definitely. I think many people go to marriage counsellors or to couple therapy, for example, in which communication is the main focus to resolve issues between between partners. So the key is communication. But I think being able to understand people's pressure points, um, you know, everyone's different. And there are some things which partners will find more difficult or challenging to speak mm. about. 
maybe because they've had certain experiences in their life or you know their own background etc so being able to navigate each other's weaknesses in a sensitive way um is is quite pertinent I mean the British way can sometimes be quite sarcastic yes in yes. communication <laughs> um British humor can be sometimes quite dark which mm. sometimes can be can be helpful when navigating difficulty in the short term but in the long term the longevity of navigating healthy communication is actually being able to speak sensitively and his holiness the the head of the Afghan Muslim community spoke about and I quote talk softly with people um, and this is such such wise advice um, in all circumstances mm. and I think sometimes too um, you know those who are ill-equipped to talk about certain issues for example those people who are conflict avoidant or not mm. wanting to talk about difficult things difficult issues um, this requires a lowering of one's ego you know without je- joking or jesting and or pretending like nothing has happened you know for the benefit and the sake of the greater good it is important to discuss difficult things especially within a marriage and his holiness the head of the Muslim community encourages this um especially during you know periods of conflict or times of miscommunication as well yeah yeah definitely and I think this idea of um you know lowering one's ego I think is is such a, a vital point that you know I think within society generally people are starting to kind of understand this and the importance of this um I think is quite important um Reem, you were mentioning something about uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and what he was saying yeah. about how to deal with one's spouse. Yeah, he said actually, khayrukum, khayrukum li ahli, which means the best among you is the, uh, the one who is uh, best in his treatment towards his wife. And mm-hmm. I want to mention also here that the word ahlihi in Arabic, which we normally translate into wives, it's actually not only wives. It means, of course, the basic meaning is wife, but also it means family. Ahil is family okay. as well. So okay. is the one who is the best in his treatment to all of his family. Mm. You know, and so he is superior according to the Holy Prophet. So, and also the Holy Quran told us that or advised the men to concert with them in kindness. This is regarding their wives. So uh, the one who is full of goodness and the blessing is the one whose treatment in the home reflects goodness and the blessing. And this is, you know, uh, the explanation of these uh, the, the verse of the Holy Quran as well as the hadith which I mentioned mm-hmm. also the Holy Prophet of Islam peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him told us that all of you are guardians and responsible for your subjects the ruler is a guardian of his subject uh, the man is a guardian of his family the woman is a guardian and is responsible for her husband's house and his offspring and so all of you are guardians and are responsible for your subjects. So Islam does distinguish that the responsibilities of men and women are different. And that is uh, according to the law of nature. So we should be proud of the fact that we are different to men and that mm-hmm. we have been given the responsibility of shaping the next generation. And it is not demeaning, but empowering. For example, men have been commanded to look after their wives and not to put them under any social or economic pressure. If they choose to work, I mean the the wives, if they choose to work, they can do so. But if they choose to look after their families and they spend time educating and training their children, 
it is the husband's responsibility to provide for his family. Uh, also, Islam teaches us that when a woman chooses to work, her husband does not have a right on her earnings. Neither does she have to contribute towards her family's expenses unless she wants to do so of her own free will. So when husbands and wives are doing their responsibilities and discharging their duties, the family life will be a happy one and with no disputes. And of course, in Islam, husband and wife should consult each other in all of their matters, especially those mm. matters related to the family, and should handle the situation as decided by mutual consult. I think um, I think what you've mentioned here is so important. I think, I mean, just focusing on this last point first, and then I'll speak about what you just said earlier, um, that this is often, I think, a misconception um, that many people have about sort of uh, the Muslim household and they believe that, you know, that the husband is, is in charge of the household and that means that, you know, what he says goes. And I think, you know, all of us are coming, you know, from, from a faith background and we, we can all say that, you know, it is always about mutual consultation. Um, you know, the, the concept of discussion, the concept of, you know, understanding um, each other and talking to each other and, and thinking about, you know, the other's point of view is really, really important within Islam. It's not something that is sort of brushed away. Yes, there may be many families who do not follow this, but the Islamic view is that you yeah. should consult with each other in kindness and, and you should speak to each other about things. I think that's a really important point. And, you know, just linking back to what you were saying just earlier about talking about responsibilities um, and and duties I came across uh, and I was, I was mentioning it to you both before before the show today I came across a really interesting book called um the 80 80 marriage and usually you have the 50 50 marriage you know with 50 percent of you know the, the jobs or the roles or the duties are, are given to one person and 50 percent to the other um this particular couple have written this book I can't remember their names but I'll, I will try to remember um I've written this book about how you should uh, make an effort to put as much as you can into your marriage as possible. But the really important point that they that they spoke about was discussing and noting down or physically understanding who has what responsibility and what role. And I think this is something that many have kind of forgotten, that it's really important to have this discussion about what your responsibility is within the marriage, what your role is within the marriage. And this is something, something Reen, that you were just mentioning, that within Islam, it is not about, you know, one person being lower than the other. It's about knowing what your responsibilities and your duties are. And that will help you to have a very well-functioning family household. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about that communication, understanding what are your responsibilities, understanding what your duties are to the other person in the marriage, and then working with that understanding in order to create a peaceful society within your home. Um, sorry, I just wanted to add that in there um, because I felt it was so relevant. Um, Melissa, sorry, were you, were you going to add something? No, no, I was just I was laughing along. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and, and I think this is, this is something which, uh, you know, I think takes away that kind of burden from us. We know as a Muslim husband, as a Muslim wife, we know what our responsibilities are. We don't have to sit and talk about every single little thing all the time because there are certain things which we know Islam has given to us, you know, like the responsibility of who is going to, um, you know, have the economic pressure on them, who is going to focus on that concept of, you know, training the children, educating, educating the children. And I think that takes away from a lot of the headache and the heartache when trying to make these decisions 
um, within a family. So I just wanted to add that also in. your duty towards your parents and the duty yes. of your children towards you. So yes. we have, you know, Islam actually, you know, told us about all of these. You know, kind of relationships at home, you know, and um, with your parents, whether you are living with them or not, and yep, with your yep, extended yep. family. And, you know, speak about family, actually, it came to my mind a very amazing saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and the blessings of Allah be upon him. He said, Whoever loves that he be granted more wealth and that he his lease of life be prolonged, then he should keep good relationships. Good, uh, good relations with his kith and kin. So yes. to that level, the importance of having good relationship with your relatives and with your extended family and with your parents, this is very important. If Even if you want that, Allah will provide you more and uh, prolong your life. To that, to that point, it is important in Islam, the yeah. good relationship within the family. And I we can recall recently, you know, in the World Cup, how the, for example, uh, the Moroccan team, yes, yes, were, you know, yes. celebrating with their own mothers, you know, and we saw that um, Islamic uh, point, you know, clear yeah. in front of the whole world. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is so important. It's not just about your sort of nuclear family, your husband, your wife, your children. It's exactly. actually that all of your relatives, your your parents, your extended family, your brothers, whatever that might be, you know, Islam has given us guidance in how to create those relationships. And that guidance helps to bring peace within, exactly. within your household. So I think that's really important. So you're listening to Pathway to Peace on the Voice of Islam radio station. And today we've been discussing how family communication can be a building block for peace in society. So Throughout the show, we have mentioned we are Muslims who are of the Amdi Muslim community, and we believe that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian is the promised Messiah Ahmedi, peace and blessings, peace and blessings be upon him, who was prophesied to come in the latter days by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as the divine reformer for all religions. He has actually given us so much insight. Um, not only into, you know, theological concepts, but as to the practical way that one should practice Islam in today's world. Um, he was alive at the um, beginning of the 1900s, so the beginning of the 20th century, from um, the late 19th century to the early 20th century. Um, so, you know, through the examples of his life, we are further encouraged and we are taught as to how to communicate and how to behave with one's close family members in order to bring about that state of peace um, within the household. So a really a very close friend um, and companion of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, um, Molvi Abdukarim Sahab, um, may Allah be pleased with him, he actually spent a lot of time um, with the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and closely observed his behavior with his close family um, and children. And he actually wrote a book, um, and within this book, um, uh, the life of the promised messiah peace be upon him he actually um mentioned and, and recorded so many examples of the way in which uh, the promised messiah peace be upon him actually um dealt with his his family his his wife and his children um melissa can you relate any of these um examples that he mentioned yeah so one of them he mentioned that one of the most dangerous weaknesses that existed was constant criticism um, and also being quickly irritated. And mm. the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, was free from 
such of these weaknesses in all of his dealings with family members. And in modern times, this is the idea of self-regulation and controlling one's own behaviour and the way that one thinks about others. And this type of behaviour helps to have positive communication with others and build bonds, mutual bonds of love. And another point to mention is about rather than looking for weaknesses in another person or pointing out flaws, there can be much more of a focusing on what one does themselves, i.e. leading by personal example. Um, and much conflict can arise out of drawing upon others, other people's weaknesses or another's weaknesses rather than focusing on perhaps more positive qualities. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely that's that's so true. Criticism, you know, it's constant. You mentioned social media earlier, this idea of being critical about others constantly and, and being quickly ir- irritated and um, huge weaknesses. And it's something when you try to control them yourself, it's actually difficult to control. So this idea of self-regulation is really, really important and with both of those aspects. And this idea of obviously rather than looking at the weaknesses of somebody else, focus on the positives. Everybody has positive characteristics, positive qualities. Focus on that and the weaknesses sort of drift away and you don't notice them so much. Um, Reem, are there any examples that come to your mind? Uh, yes, you know, Promise Messiah, be upon, peace be upon him, um, did not approve of men behaving uh, badly with their wives. And mm. he said, I find it utterly shameful for a man to be in a state of conflict with a woman. God had made us men and in reality this is a completion of his favor upon us the the gratitude that we owe for this is to treat women with kindness and tenderness and uh, you know when discussion arose about um, how some men were very demanding and uh, not courteous towards their wives promise messiah peace be upon him would make statements such as our friends ought to refrain from such and such manners yeah, and I think the, the Promise of Messiah, peace be upon him, also advised the men of the community how to treat their wives um, through his own example of his own blessed wife, may Allah be pleased with her, um, who would advise the women of the community as how to communicate with their husbands, i.e. to not argue you know, with one's husband if he's angry or is in an angry mood. Um, you know, even, even if that person feels justified, because this leads to a more harmonious household Um, and also not keeping secrets from one's spouse as well as this can cause distrust in a relationship yeah definitely and I think I think that's a really good point and I think again we're living in in the modern age and by seeing um, the example of how he treated his wife and also the example of what the wife used to recommend you know um, his blessed wife used to recommend to the ladies of the community I think you know that having that that advice from both sides helps to create that kind of peace within a household and I think this is really interesting point um Melissa that you've made you know that you know not to you know don't argue if your husband is angry if somebody is angry you know don't um don't argue with them you know even if you're justified that will actually lead to a more harmonious household and I think it works both ways and I also think, you not know, to stop you know speaking to your spouse you know that yes you know, days and days uh, not uh, speaking to him or to her, you know. And this reminded me with a very beautiful incident from the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and the presence of Allah be upon him, because, you know, I always like to mention this story. You know, the Holy Prophet used to say to his um, wife, Hadrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, that I know when you are not, when you are pleased with me and when you are angry with me. 
she asked how you knew, you knew, you know, and she he replied that uh, when she when you are uh, happy with me, you say no by Muhammad's Lord. But when you are angry with me, you say no by Abraham's Lord. So she said, I swear by God, O Messenger of Allah, that it is so, and it is only your name that I omit when I'm angry with you. So only she does not mention his name, but nothing else, you know? I love that example, Reem. It's such yeah. a beautiful example of, you know, one trying to control their own ego um, and still, you know, being so kind in the way that you are speaking. And yeah. um, I think that's, you know, that that's something we can all learn from even today, definitely. Um, okay, so so we're speaking about um, the example of, of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Um, with with his wife and how he used to advise the men of the community and how his wife would advise the women of the community of how they should behave within the household. But I think also um, when thinking about the relationship with one's children, uh, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, you know, he would he would rebuke those, like he would tell them off, those people that physically punish their children. And this was very much the norm at the time. Remember I said this is sort of um, 1800s late 1800s early 1900s you know corporal punishment with children was not something which was considered an issue but he would he would he would rebuke people and he would encourage parents he would to pray for their children rather than punish them and you know even with the true follower of the holy prophet muhammad and this are the teachings of the holy prophet and of islam yeah definitely and i think these these are some of the things which which need to be real highlighted again that mm-hmm. these are the true teachings of Islam, and this is what the Prophet Society, peace be upon him, came to um, retell society exactly. that these are the true teachings. You know, it was so much so that he actually, and um, with a local school, he gave strict instructions that if a teacher was even found hitting a child and they didn't stop once a warning was given, they would be terminated from employment. So these were these were views which were very much against, you know, what was the status quo of the time. You know, the Islamic views, bringing them back to the forefront, bringing mm-hmm. back the truth of Islamic teachings. I thought that was really important. And also, in terms of communicating with one's children, the promised Messiah spoke extensively on this issue of treating your children with kindness. And mm. he, he said, and I quote, you know, guidance and upbringing, in essence, is in the hands of God. Nagging incessantly and persisting on a matter beyond reasonable bounds, um, for example, to prohibit and rebuke children on every little thing, demonstrates that we are as if masters of guidance and we will be able to bring our children on the path that accords with our own will and he says this is a hidden form of associating partners with god and my community ought to refrain from such a practice and he goes on to say and it's what you were talking about before hafia is this emphasis on prayer he said and i quote i pray for my children and to see to it that they follow broad principles etiquette and teachings that is all, nothing more. Then I place my entire trust in Allah the Exalted. The seed of goodness that is present in each of them, according to their nature, will flourish when the time comes, end quote. I just think that's so beautiful because it's it's also recognising that every child is different. Every child needs a different kind of love expressed in different ways, according to their own nature, according to how they, they are. Um, but also never to, you know, fall back on thinking that we as individuals, as human beings, um, you know, have ultimate control over our children. As we all know, anyone with children knows that ultimately 
we are not fully in control of our children <laughs> ever. So, <laughs> ever so it's it's kind of it's a it's a humbling quote because it, it also provides a lot of ease to a parent as well when when a parent can get caught up in the stress and the worry of, mm. of the raising of their children just knowing that that God is the ultimate provider, the the one who yeah. the ultimate sense of support, um, who is ultimately the overseer of all things, yeah. um, especially with regards to looking after children as well. Yeah, so that's definitely. I thought that was such a beautiful part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, there is so much uh, to take in there about what what you have you've both said you know about how partners um, should deal with each other you know not criticizing being able to regulate one's emotions and and now you've touched upon the importance of children and how to behave and communicate with them as well um you know so I think you know this is something you know it these ideas um that you just mentioned about the crime side they seem really fresh and new and that they are in fact you know the basic teachings uh, within Islam which are coming back to the forefront which is what is important but what are your thoughts about this you know especially with reference to kind of modern concepts about how to behave and communicate with with your children um, Melissa you've got you've got younger children well Reem you also have younger children as well <laughs> Melissa's got kind of toddlers at the moment so um what, what do you think about that yeah, I think if we're talking about emotional regulation, this is such a meaty um, topic. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I think one of the hardest things about parenting for me, um, I've got a toddler and a preschooler now. So I'm out of the sleepless nights and exhausted all of the time stage, which is very, very difficult in its own right, um, is emotional regulation. This idea of, you know, you've got, you've got two very young children uh, fighting often, they're navigating their emotions um and studies suggest that brains um the human brain does not fully develop to full maturity i.e the prefrontal cortex which is is where all the activity for emotional regulation happens in it doesn't develop fully until the age of 25 according to a study so the idea that you know parents or main caregiver is primarily primarily responsible for shaping their children's emotional responses through our own responses and reactions to them is such a huge task and responsibility. Um, I I personally think that, you know, a basic child psychology pack or something should be a yeah. thing when they send you off at the hospital with your Definitely. new baby, you know, <laughs> totally clueless if you're doing it the first time with information about how to stay, you know, calm um, in moments of, of high stress, you know, when children are screaming at each other, screaming at you, um, you know it's a whole new world raising wholly dependent children on very little sleep can definitely be a challenge mm. um, but Islam provides you know wisdom and plenty of wisdom about the idea of managing anger for, for adults and for all ages and um, it talks about the idea that if you're stood up if you're in an angry state then sit down or if you're already sat down then lie down so this idea that you should you move, you need to move your body, you need to become into a more relaxed state, um, you know, drinking water, um, staying silent when you're angry, because the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, referred to this idea that there's no wisdom when one is angry. So no wise words are spoken in the moment of anger. Um, and I think children are quite literal little beings of little social justice creatures Mm. Um, especially when it comes to keeping and making promises their idea of justice is very strong in that moment I mean they're the first to be like that's not fair um, and they'll tell you they'll be open and honest about that and His Holiness Mirza Mashur Ahmed um, has mentioned 
how it's important to make sure that we we don't say to our children what we don't do ourselves and mm. um, and this is this is a a principle from the holy quran which which states and who are watchful of their trusts and their covenants and this is in chapter 23 verse 9 so this idea that we are we are being exemplary in our own conduct um so that we are not hypocritical essentially in our behavior because children mimic us all of the time yeah definitely uh, Reem, did you want to add anything to that? You know, I want to say that Islam, you know, um, told us the way how to, to build a, a healthy environment at home. So it started from choosing your spouse so that you have to, yeah. to choose the righteous person. So and the relationship between husband and wife, according to Quran, should be that you might might find peace in, in, in each other. So it started from the love and tenderness between each other. And also then you have children, then you have, you are commanded to provide them with the basic rights. Mm. Like uh, you have, you know, to close them, you have to educate them, to feed them, to give them love, to give them care, trust. So this will cause, uh, you know, that they progress spiritually, physically, and mentally. So despite the hardship that accompanies raising up children and the length of of course of its time as the mother starting caring of her child starting from that time she knew that she's pregnant you know mm-hmm. and then after birth of course she has to get, uh, sacrifice her time to sacrifice her sleep and you know then the the parents has to uh, sacrifice their time to have effort to bring money at home and, and to provide the kids so despite all of this Raising good children is one of the greatest investments for parents mm. and for the society as well. So because to have good family, then this will affect the society and you will have also a good uh, society because, you know, otherwise, if your child is a source of disorder or, you know, a burden to the society, then, of course, you are you have committed a grave sin because you do not raise them up in in in. A nice way that in a way that will have to be beneficial for their nation and for uh, their country so that's why the holy prophet of islam said it is enough for a man to prove to prove himself a sinner when he neglects or waste his dependents meaning his children and he also said that allah is going to ask each shepherd about his flock whether he upheld this trust or abused it mm. so also, the children, when they reach the stage of maturity and self-dependence, they have, of course, to return some of their parents' kindness and care. And this is also, again, Islamic commandment. And that Allah the Almighty said that worship none but him and show kindness to parents. If one of them attain an old age with you or both of them, never say unto them any word expressive of disgust or reproach them, but always address them with excellent speech. I think that's so important that we're talking not only about, you know, um, the duties and responsibilities to one's children, but we're also talking then about the duties and responsibilities those children then have to their parents. So it's even like how the duties that we have to our parents, that no matter what the situation happens as they get older and, and we've all experienced old age and, you know, it's a different it's a different type of lifestyle. And so then we have that duty. They have looked after us. We then have that duty to then um, look after them, speak to them kindly, and maintain that peace within the household by looking after them in the appropriate way. So I think that's really important. Um, 
So, um, Melissa, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, the, the advice that we've been given earlier um, by the head of the Amdiya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizan Masroor Ahmed. Um, he, he is often asked um, about, you know, people often ask him questions about how they should raise their children. And specifically, they talk a lot about teenagers um, and, and kind of because you were speaking earlier about younger children, but what's the kind of advice he has given about how we should um, raise our teenagers in order to kind of have that kind of peaceful atmosphere in the home? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot can, that can be said on this point. I mean, he he said, and I quote, one of the most important parenting skills needed for raising healthy teenagers involves giving them positive attention. Yeah. So he said, and I quote, if you come to the West, you must pay close attention to the well-being of your children. Sit with your children, and if there's a program of the Ahmadi Muslim community, then take your children there with you. And you should give time to your children on the weekends, and you'll have to strive hard. Just like you have to work hard to earn money, so too should you work towards the moral training of your children. And when you work hard and pray towards this, then Allah the Almighty will also help you. So I think this is wonderful advice. It covers so much, perhaps too much that we don't have time for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. going for. But um, yeah, I think it is it's wonderful advice about taking the time with teenagers. Yeah. I know that can be difficult, mm. but um, definitely wise words. And I think, I mean, like like we said earlier, often people get this kind of misconception about Muslims. You know, they don't just allow their children to discuss things or whatever, but that one of another another quote that um that he said was you know first ask your children what what problems they face and what questions they have and then prepare the answers and speak to you know the mothers late um the mothers and then first ask the girls ask the nasrat which is the the younger girls within um within the amdi muslim community ask the boys um you know and liaise with all the different groups of people and and find the answers to their questions. So don't just not communicate with them. Don't brush them aside. Don't question, um, brush their problems aside. Um, you know, that you need to be friends with mothers and fathers and should be friends with their children. Um, and that will help them to have that ability of sharing their problems um, and, and being able to communicate freely and frankly within the household. So whatever is going on, they are able to deal with that um, and and not kind of shut off. And, and then, like you were mentioning earlier, Melissa, you know, that kind of emotional regulation that happens when that kind of communication happens within the household. So I think that's that's really important. I think also being open and honest is a, is a core part of this. I mean, um, children value us when we're vulnerable with them and, you know mm. being able to own up to your mistakes saying sorry such a, yes. such a yeah. simple thing but such an effective way to show our children that we're you know we're not perfect ourselves and we can't expect children to be perfect either but having yeah. that communication is the baseline yeah definitely definitely okay so let's let's bring this all all background okay so we've spoken a lot about communication we've spoken about the, the fact that um, it's really important to have communication between husband and wife. It's important to have good communication with your children, whether they're young or whether they're teenagers. And then it's also important to have the, your roles and your responsibilities to all those people. So, Reem, you mentioned uh, responsibilities to your children, responsibilities to your spouse and responsibilities to elders as well. But how does all of this how does all of this behavior have an impact in society? You know, why are we claiming that positive family communication or the way we treat each other within the family can actually affect societal peace. Because, you know, there's accountability to some something higher than us. 
So for yeah. our behavior and the way we treat uh, others, you know, yeah. this is, you know, this accountability, of course, will contribute to that. And also yeah. we saw the ripple effect. So we saw how the treatment of the Holy Prophet, for example, were towards his wives, how it affected uh, his companions as well. And yeah. also the, in case of promised Messiah, peace be upon him, how, you know, uh, it helped also his uh, companions and it helped us how we have to 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 work today with our you know family and within uh, our society so this um, makes of course the individual a positive member of the society and of course it is not to think that it is me and mine but it is ours so this will contribute to to of course to create peace in the family and when the family has peace then the, this peace will extend to the uh, uh, surrounding to the society and definitely definitely thank you so much reem thank you so much ladies i'm really sorry we're running out of time as usual i think we could talk about this for another hour but we're going to have to wind up now but i think the main thing that we're saying here is that you know strengthening the ties within the family you know according to islamic guidance it can actually give us the ability to communicate effectively and honestly which actually gives us the building blocks of peace within the family unit and we know, as Reem just said, that once the, unit, the family unit has peace, that peace can be extended to others. So, ladies, as usual, I would like to wind up. I'd like to thank you um, for all of your input today and you, our listeners, for joining us. Please add to our conversation by tweeting us um, with the hashtag VOIPeace. Uh, sorry, VOIPeace. Um, and until next time, we pray that you truly have a joyous holiday period full of love and support. And as always, we pray that you stay safe and find that ever elusive pathway to peace. Peace be upon you all.